0: Thanks for choosing Happy Times and Places. It's a podcast where I sit somebody down and make them watch Doctor Who and then I say to them, you will tell me every good thing about it. You will tell me, you will tell me, you will tell me. But before I hear what they tell me, I have to guess what they've chosen.
1: My name is David Quantic. I'm a comedy writer, mostly. I write other things and I do broadcasting. The story I am nominating... Is Genesis of the Daleks? Well,
0: welcome everybody to episode four of Genesis of the Daleks. Uh, if you want to raise a lot of money for charity, you can perhaps uh, run some sort of uh, sweepstake or 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 contributory box for how many times I say cassette, <laughs> um, which I've been doing with annoying regularity. Uh, it's probably one of only a list of annoying things that I do. But anyway, this is what this is. You're listening. It's your fault. Uh, I am Toby. I am going to try and accentuate the positive of every episode of Doctor Two that I watch with the help of a friend of mine, or in this case, not a friend, but a writer whose work I've long admired. Uh, who has uh, come up with seven things that he likes about Genesis of the Daleks, one per episode and one bonus. So let's see what it is he likes about episode four, uh, and I'll see if what I like is the same as what he likes. Uh, And here we go. Uh, I'm paused between episodes, so I'm going to press play. You can press select episode or whatever it is that you do in three, two, one. And there we go. Um, So, uh, David chose uh, davros last week i cho- i mean that just i mean there's things i could have chosen without even thinking about it something NIDA does or neither himself will have to be i mean the fact that you could choose i mean tom baker is on such great form David's already chosen Harry Sullivan. Elizabeth Sladen is fantastic in in this as well. I love the way that, oh, there's a bit where he greets them in the cave and she goes, oh, when they they hug. I love that bit. Um, (laughs) She's full of lovely, lovely, nice little touches. There's so much of this. It's a a grim story of genocide uh, in which the Doctor doesn't actually win. Lots of good people die uh, and the environment is a pretty grim and unforgiving one. And yet for me... It is comfort. I once, uh, isn't it odd how we are, you know, fair, fairy tales that we read. We are comforted by, by containable violence. That must because we're not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not turned on by the violence of this. Although I do get, I do get a rush from the from the drama. And actually, the, yeah, then the, I suppose the nastier it is, the more of a kick I get. So maybe I do, get turned on by the violence. But I'm not a, I'm not a violent person. Uh, I find. Real life violence, extremely distasteful and distressing. Um, so, it must be that it is that it is containable. Um, that we have, we you know, we all. I suppose we all have v- violent urges um, that that kick in when we try to protect our own. You know, yeah, I I could be violent to protect my children or my loved ones. Uh so, I think we all have it within us. So, it's interesting when we watch it. What, what is the. How. And, and I find it extraordinary that I grew up on war films. Uh, and now I look back at that and, and go. And, and I mentioned the commando magazines and things like that. The people being entertained by those movies were very often the people that lived through it. I mean, my granddad, i remember talking to him about the war, you know, and the way that. Uh, bloody child does oh that's very clever because the takeoff was actually done by the the camera moving there that was a, a neat little trick uh bit of stock footage there we'll forgive that um and i stupidly say to my granddad you know did you ever kill anybody oh and he just you know shrugged it off went you know wouldn't wouldn't talk about it um that's the cliffhanger i left harry and sarah in there um and actually i think the explosions were maybe slightly different on the cassette. Um, uh, but that's very well done. Well done, Tom Georgeson, looking up because they're underground in a sort of bank bunker situation. Uh, poor old Ronson doesn't get much to... I've got a feeling that actually was, was the cliffhanger supposed to be a bit later and that's why Ronson's, Ronson should really have been killed in episode three um, uh, because the cliffhanger was to come after Davros's speech after Ronson is... Exterminated, or did I dream that? I don't know. This is not a factual podcast. This is, this is, uh, this is me saying what I see. But I, I have a vague memory of that. Um, when I get to, uh, and I, I remember, um, I, I, I know that they wanted the deaths to be really gruesome in this, so so people sort of fly about and 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 die quite slowly. Uh, in this, and I think that's because David Maloney wanted the deaths to be as agonizing as possible, so they're quite drawn out. And the poor old actors, you know, now I think you'd make it shocking by a sort of zap and they're dead. But uh, uh, did I dream that that was supposed to be the cliff? I think I did. Um, but anyway, um, uh, look it up, look it up. Sometimes sometimes I'm just a catalyst for further study. Uh, <laughs> if an element of doubt creeps in, I will say so, I promise you. Um, but... Uh, what was I talking about? Yeah, the the, 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 the the sort of World War II dramas or uh, films, I mean, were legion. And, and, and yes, yeah, I said that embarrassing moment where I interrogated my granddad who... Um, didn't really talk about probably, you know, I've rubbed shoulders there, I had eaten breakfast with somebody who probably saw things that I would never, you know, that would have caused me lasting damage. You know, we talk about our feelings now and that's quite right and we encourage that and we encourage us to talk about our vulnerabilities and the things that cause us anxiety and I get anxious phoning people up i get anxious getting on the bus <laughs> how anxious would i have been at dunkirk that's it i mean I, it seems monstrous to me that my my anxiety is indulged when that generation had to bottle theirs up but uh but but uh but that is of course progress um and just just because they had to deal with things in the way that they did doesn't mean that we don't learn. But it uh, it just made me feel slightly guilty sometimes. Um, but but. You know the the, the idea that, that that those very terrible situations, where very terrible things had happened, where well, you know the man who worked in your local shoe shop had, you know, seen seen his mate's face burn off on a ship or whatever, you know, oh terrible, terrible things, um, and people just continued. But then that's what they went to see at the cinema, and that's what was in drama. I mean, World War Two dominated, and here it is now inveigling its way into. The sort of generally more fantastical or or safer or cozier world of 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 Doctor, who. and it's wrong to say that Doctor who is cosy, of course, because it's there to frighten. Uh, that's beautiful. That tracking shot on Davros and Garmin, who wasn't in episode three. That's interesting, because um, you think of you think of the sort of triumvirate of characters of of Davros, Nyder, and Garman. They're the kind of you, you know they're the they're the three they're the three central players in on, on scarrow um although you know he is uh he's a carlet he is, a Carled, he is a, it's a, yeah anyway um don't go off track uh because the first you hear from Car uh garman actually in the cassette is is later than this he hasn't been in it at this point you just hear um you know a trap was being laid for garman says uh says says the doctor, uh, even though we don't actually know who he is at that point. But it still it fits in. Um and it does like sound like somebody says Lisa. I'd always I always remember that listening to it on the on the cassette. You just heard that. Um so here are the here are the thals. I think they all die in sort of agony as well. Um and and you know David Maloney's only got two corridors in which to do it, but I remember he's got a thing about glasses because a lot of the Thals have have glasses as well. Um, oh, and Har- Betan, I love Betan. Uh, Harriet Philpin, who has never done an interview about Doctor Who, I think she lives in Ireland. I think a couple of people have tracked her down, but she's uh, and she's in uh, she's in Blake Seven episode as well, isn't she? Um, but I like Betan. She's also the wife of the secret lemonade drinker. In the R. White's commercial, uh, viewers from uh, uh, listeners from abroad might not know that we have a, a, a famous advert um, uh, where uh, for R. White's lemonade, where a man in his pajamas sings a song about being I'm a secret lemonade drinker, uh, and he goes to R. White's, and it's R. White's lemonade, and his wife who catches him. Uh, drinking the lemonade in secret is Harriet Philpin and they redid it recently I say recently it was probably 15 years ago with the same actors and used And, and I think I think they put a thing in the paper saying they couldn't find the wife and Harriet Philpin's son read it and got in touch with her and she did the advert and the and and the other guy the secret lemonade drink himself is Julian Chagrin uh, and you may think, well, that's got nothing to do with Doctor Who and certainly nothing to do with Genesis of the Daleks. It has, because Julian Chagrin is the son of Francis Chagrin, who did the incidental music for the Dalek invasion of Earth. So it all ties together. And all of that is true. Uh, to to divert you from the fact that I wasn't sure, I just made something up about a different cliffhanger. Um, uh, so, yes, Betan... Uh, uh, Pops in. This is the first we've seen of her, isn't she? But she's she becomes a key character. Um, I like the way that the characters sort of walk, come in and out of the action with ease. We've only just met her, but now she's a really important part of the story. And she's not going to spend much time with the Doctor, but she's gonna she's gonna go off and do her thing and activate her part of the plot, so that she's very uh, useful at the end. Um, uh, and actually, Severin has doesn't actually do an awful lot. He's, that's a great shot because we're scuppered by the studio. And I, I often think of the studio stuff here as being an apology for the brilliant film stuff. And we've got no Daleks on on film, of course. But that, the lighting there, it's, it's no attempt. Well, it may be an attempt, but it's it, 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 there's no way it's going to rationalise with the actual outside that we saw. But that night sky and that angle on that Dalek and the way the light glistened on it. Duncan Brown's lighting again. Uh, uh and the lighting in these caves is very good as well um although no amount of light can hide a polystyrene rock um but I've just been thinking about Severin he was I loved him as a character when I watched this as a as a kid There's, oh that's a oh, I love that little whoa. um I don't think that's going to be my favorite thing in the episode but I do love it and I've always remembered it um um but yes, I remember loving Severin because he's benign and he's nice and he's sweet. But he doesn't do an awful lot. He's there to represent the Mutos. Uh, but I think it's nice considering the the Daleks' sort of the Khaled's Nazi policy of, you know, rejecting imperfects, which ties in. Uh, with you know aspects of disability and stuff like that Um, but certainly more so with their you know their superiority and racial purity that grotesque idea Um, uh, that actually Severin is you know a gentle and kind creature even though he's you know uh, shambling and gnarled and and might well have smoky feet I love I love you know wouldn't have why would it have occurred to anybody setting something in the future that Um, we wouldn't use um, clipboards anymore. But we don't really, do we? Um, uh, And I like the character of Carvel uh, here, played by Tom Georgeson. I remember reading the book going, I really like this Carvel guy, and he's not on the cassette. uh, But it turns out he is. And that's quite controversial. It's not controversial. It's just got a trivial cast fact that has always slightly bothered me that I will, I'm sure, bore you with when we get to it. Um, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's got a, he's got a sort of gentle quality garment. He's good casting, uh, Dennis Chinnery, N- not as good casting as Peter Miles though, who is just perfect. What always amuses me about Peter Miles <laughs> is that, uh, although obviously Nider is wearing a wig, so it's, uh, it's, it's not, but I, I, I love it on the Doctor of the Silurians DVD, where Peter Miles in the documentary, uh, you know recorded in the present day has more hair than peter miles in the clips from 30 years previously um <laughs> although that's very sad and i talk as a bald man myself do you know what i mean i'm a balding man i'm clinging on to my last bits of hair for dear life but i've uh I, oh and uh and uh I, th- I think stephen yardley's uh on the on the his hair's on the last gasp of uh clinging to his head by the time he comes back to uh Doctor Who in Vengeance on Varos as Arak, uh, having been... Uh, had he been Ken Masters by that point? Don't know, don't care. Um, thank you. Oh, yeah, I love Sarah. I do love Sarah. I wanted to marry Elizabeth Sladen or Sarah Jane Smith or both. Yeah. Um, and I think she's got such a lovely quality. She's got such the right instincts for how to pitch it, and she peppers her performance full of beautiful moments. Um, we love this TARDIS crew, uh, <laughs> and I do. I I do feel a bit sorry for Harry in that his days were seemingly numbered as soon as he was cast. Really, um, and I don't think I don't think he becomes redundant with with the Doctor. Um, you know, they, I th- actually think they complement each other quite nicely, and sometimes antagonistically. And and Peter Miles is totally convincing here. Um, uh, you know, I th- I I like to think that prior to this, you'd have gone well. There's no way that uh, Nida would turn on Davros, and now that he's doing this, you think, oh, actually, he might. Um, testament to his his fine performance. Um so yes, as I mentioned last episode, the idea of uh of, you know, a disfigured person, Davros being, you know, equated with bad well there are perfect they're all very good plot reasons why he would be so. Um uh but I I am sympathetic to the idea that uh you know, often and, and, you know, particularly in this period of Doctor Two, which I love, you know, Magnus Greel. there's a cliffhanger reveal that he's, you know, he's he's got a melted face. Um, um Sharaz Jek is, I mean, he's a, is he a villain? I mean, he's certainly a villain that we feel sorry for, but certainly his, his uh, motivation is that he's been you know, scolded by mud and he wants to get back at the person that's done it. And that's why he has to hide away. And that's why he has to wear a mask. And I, I love Robert Holmes's writing. And, and, and I think, you know, he, he, he deals in the, for want of a better word, grotesque, uh, in order to, in order to give dimensions to his, his characters and stuff. But it's interesting how we've sort of slightly moved sideways from that now, or should be, uh, and, but again, you know, it's odd, isn't it? Because the nineteen seventies wasn't f- free of people who had suffered disfigurements. Again, people in World War Two were were perilously uh, injured. Um, but I know, you know, but we know also that disabled people were were hidden away and not represented. Which is why I still find it a bit. I do find it bizarre. Um, there was a there was a children's BBC presenter who had you know who had a, a She's called Carrie, somebody. Um, and, you know, she's got an, a, a disability with her arm. That means it's it's shorter. And there were complaints, parents complaining that their children were being, what, exposed to somebody who looks a bit different? I find... And I find the idea that people would complain about that, even if they thought it, but to actually complain about it and behave like the wounded party. But Anyway, um, I, I love this scene. Is a glorious glorious scene because it has two of the best lines ever and they both come from Peter Miles. There's also on the cassette catching pound. Um when when uh Garmin gets knocked out, it's like there's a sort of squeal. Um but is it a squeak from his boot? I don't know, but there's certainly a sort of uh, um, but He's going to say three people now. Carville, Frenton and Parin. Never meet Frenton and Parin. Poor old Carville is a- Thank you. That's what I wanted to know. I love that line. Isn't it just a glorious thing? Uh, and Davros coming out of the darkness. This is so shadowy and conspiratorial. This is the Doctor equivalent of the X-Files of Line of Duty. And this is a squeak. What is it? Is, is, that his, is that Garmin's noise, or is that just his boot going on the floor? It's very Helium-esque. Uh, shall I kill him? Oh, there's three brilliant lines in this, because doesn't he also have a... What do you want done with this? Is that in this scene as well? Oh, Nyder is brilliant, but sh- it, it's the way that he... He doesn't enjoy the shall I kill him... It's he's it's more like he's a child playing with an insect, a sort of a, a, a lofty disinterest that's sort of almost more chilling because it's so sort of casual and not indulged. Oh, I love I love Peter Miles and and, and and if if he was played by a more famous actor, I think we'd be we'd be trumpeting this from the rooftops. But because he's just a sort of character actor who played similar sorts of parts for a lot of his career. Um, and he's probably best known for Doctor Who, although he, you know, he had the seasons with the RSC. Certainly, when he's a Stanley to the Richard III of Anthony Sher, is no, is no small fry, you know. Um, but I, th- but I think because we most closely associated with Doctor Who, Doctor. Uh, ah, no, he says welcome back, and then on the cassette he also says Doctor, but I think they must have lifted Doctor from another scene because of course on audio we can't see that that's the doctor so it's welcome back doctor and it says yeah and it just sounds like oh they're fading out of the scene or whatever but it's because the doctor is from somewhere else Uh, I'm so sorry if you're listening to this podcast and you've never heard the genesis of the Daleks cassette or it's also on vinyl so uh, it's uh, um I oh Davros is so good and yes I li- like the idea that he's you know he's like oh yeah I can I can buy I can buy a story uh and also I like the idea that he go- that he's so proud of his daleks um and the fact that he and the doctor can make the same observations but from from totally different perspectives the doctor saying making make them a force for good and he's going well they are a force for good we just have we just have different ways of different visions of what is good, um, uh, and 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 you know and it's good writing that actually both both sides have v- v- utterly plausible motivation, and you know, they're both great intellects. Um, uh, and 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 I mean I know that the the doctor is 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 a lofty alien but he has the qualities th- that make us human at uh, what mistakes do they make i lo- i, I, I like lo- and he gets interrogatory he becomes all daleky and baker's vicious uh repost his his stubbornness is is uh is 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 suffused with venom uh, there's there's a there's a venomous streak to the doctor. That forget yeah, the, the quiet danger that Rob Shearman talks about, but all, the, data, the danger isn't always quiet. You are afflicted with a conscience. Now some some of that writing, to, you know, we could Davros could just go for out and out villain, and I and I think that the texture that he's given is is to the serials credit. Um, but I like I also but I like these. Um, these 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 outside characters that again the six the six episodes affords us, but but we like them. They're nicely played. Um, oh yeah, um, Julian Chagrin, the uh, lemonade husband of Harriet Philippine, uh, has another doctor um, connection as well. Is that his brother Nicholas Chagrin? His late brother now, sadly, um, is Quillum in Vengeance on Varos. So it all ties together in this stupid brain of mine. Um, i remember this so well from the uh from 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 the repeats when it was when it was watched the because I, I really felt that they were in pain and they were being tortured and they're uh, you know they they're they just rigged up to you know s- silly helmet things uh and, and there's a bit of a sound effect but it's it's convincingly pulled off by everybody but i remember being really shocked by this cliffhanger and going, really is that the cliffhanger because i hadn't expected it to come at all because it's a really odd cliffhanger but i absolutely love it um uh and and, and really this has no bearing on the story that we're watching that the doctor you know gives away sure oh, she's so good at this stuff uh the, the doctor gives away you know future doctor storylines some of which you go i don't remember that one <laughs> is that from an annual um but and, and and i love the fact that davros is very clipped and formal about it um but 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 then he but then he but he gets more and more sort of imposing and scary and uh vicious uh but it, but it comes but it starts from a very ah oh, look at that it's it's i mean and it sort of comes out of nowhere and it's as i say it's not really relevant to this story in the in the long run and in the end of it but it's such a dramatic moment uh but i'm not sure what i make of it because i know that this part of it sort of really goes nowhere he tells them and he sort of goes oh well i've affected the future a little bit and um uh but and and it's almost like the cutaway to that moment is quite um oh that's it's like it's almost like an imposed cliffhanger but and yet i really like it and i and i'm struggling to articulate why I won't tell you because I'm not sure I can. Unless uh, Carville got credited above Garmin then. Um again. We had a school teacher, uh, an English teacher whose nickname was Spode, David Spode, I notice is the designer, but I never I never worked out what what Spode actually meant in terms of the nickname. Um, it's a very it's a very onomatopoeic name is it Spode. Uh, so if Spode is a rude thing, I do apologise. I don't know what it means. He was called—he was—he was really called Michael Thomas, but we called him Spode for some reason. And always when I see the name David Spode, uh, I've never seen him interviewed, and I think this—this this is his only uh, one he's designed, which is odd because it's such a famous story, and it is well—it's pretty well designed. I mean that Thal massacre—that's uh, basically two corridors. Well done, everybody. David Maloney's done a great job with this, hasn't he? So. Um, can my favourite thing be? Thank you. That's what I wanted to know. Um, I think it might have to be. I want to. I want to mention Duncan Brown's lighting at some point because that's superb, and I thought that was very good in that scene, and that Dalek on the, you know, against the sky, um, and the sh- and the shadows of of the Daleks around the corridors. Duncan Duncan Brown's lighting. I might save that for my bonus my bonus thing but I think the lighting is spoiler alert the lighting is definitely going to get a look but I cannot resist can I um well can I can I have a, a, a pair of lines the uh 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 thank you that's what I wanted to know and shall I kill him ah oh, a pair a pair of night a clip of niders uh, <laughs> which and if he says nider as well I think I get a point for that I don't think he will it doesn't matter um, so so I will say neither but particularly that scene with Garmin and particularly those two lines um, So David Quantic, what are your favorite what is your singular favorite thing
1: about episode four? In episode four, as the show progresses, I am very much enjoying it. And so just a quick throw in, the Mark III travel machine. I love that idea. I love the idea that they are concealing the nature of the Daleks. Even though you could just say Dalek, people are yeah, I don't know what that is. The Mark III travel machine, an obvious reference to World War I armoured fighting vehicles being called tanks. Yes, it is.
0: Ah, interesting. I, I hadn't considered that, of course, the, the, uh, the war iconography... Um... That I talked about there, uh, the Mark III Travel Machine, and it is—it's—it's it's wonderfully euphemistic. But again, of course, it's—it's—it's it's, it's nice, of course, that when we first meet the creature, it is not even called the very name that we know it by. And I think again, because this story is so familiar, and because we know what we now know about the Daleks, that that wheeze, that idea of going, well, yeah, we're going to go to a time when the first time you see a Dalek, they're not even called Daleks. Again, I think it perhaps would have helped if it if they'd been able to, you know, have a much more primitive model. They could have had a lot of fun with that and actually spread the story over a few weeks or months where, the, the you know, the different the different models come out. But there's no way that would, that would really be possible under these circumstances. Stories weren't told, particularly in that way at Doctor Who at that time. Uh, I think you'd struggle to do it now, but... Um, uh, but that, but that is a nod to that, the idea that these are, these are pre-Dalek Daleks. And that, of course, adds to the inexorable, uh, sort of uh, doom-laden outcome of this, because the Daleks do prosper. This is, a, this is where the Daleks had a chance to not exist. And that's, that's, you know, we don't really, we've never had that in Doctor Who before which is why it's such a great idea for a story. And isn't Genesis a brilliant word as well, such an evocative and and uh, uh, portentous, uh, and of course it's got biblical uh, uh, dimensions to it, which of course makes it seem so much more impressive. But we're at a point, the only point, where the Dalek's existence could be, there would be no such thing as Dalek's. Uh, or... Oh. This is so good. I'm loving this. I'm supposed to be going to bed. Can I do another episode of Genesis of the Daleks? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to decide after I've uh, said goodbye. But uh, uh, I appreciate David uh, David Quantic's uh, input there. So I will say to you, David, thank you. That's what I wanted to know. Until next time. i had an itch and i had to scratch it and yes i was right uh, the cliffhanger to part three was originally when davros is the ultimate conqueror of the universe the dalek uh, so that was supposed to be the cliffhanger but it was altered for timing reasons
1: and yeah it says here shamelessly plug anything you have coming up or your online presence Well, I'm on Twitter, and on Twitter I'll be talking about my forthcoming quiz book, Quantic's Quite Difficult Quiz Book, which contains, I hope, many, many Doctor Who-related rounds, including Doctor Who villain or musical instrument. I'm sure you can guess the crossover there. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, everyone.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock my special guest this time around is david quantic who can be found on twitter at quantic and his quiz book is out around about the time that you're listening to this check it out these podcasts are only possible thanks to the kindness of patrons who include john mcclay ross mcphillips stuart mitchell nathan moore matthew newton dave owen melvin peña keith Perry, jonathan potter dylan reese John Rivers, Jim Sankster, Matt Sawyer, Keith Say, Neil Tate, Nick Tedston, Nick Temple, Sabrina Tirabasi, Raynard Toombs, Apollo C Vermouth, Gary Wales, Adam Westwood, Rich Wiggins, Michael Williams, Andrew Willis and Stephen White. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. You too could be a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. You get bonus material, exclusive material, early releases, and sort of access where we can sort of chat and do other things. I also put out little goodies as and when, but you get to listen to most of the podcasts at least three or four months before, well, before now, except for this one actually, which I've just released to tie in with David's book. So this one isn't quite the same as the others but you don't need to know that you just need to go to patreon.com forward slash toby Haydock. there is a treasure trove there of all sorts of doctor who podcast me related stuff if that is to your taste it costs as little as three pounds a month and you can even get a 10 percent discount on top of that if you sign up for a whole year i'm not allowed to keep you or go to your house but uh, it means that uh, you're definitely committed to a year. But I'm churning out for patrons. You get three releases at least per week. So uh, hopefully plenty to justify your investment. If you can't do the monthly thing or don't want to, that's fine. Kofi.com forward slash Toby is a place where you can do a sort of one-off donation. If you're feeling generous or you particularly like something that I've done. Or I just look and sound particularly hungry or needy. Um, or... What costs you nothing is you could go to Apple or to wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, wherever, Spotify and give these five star ratings and some nice lines of review. That just helps separate this Doctor Who podcast from what is an overcrowded market and it means more people will be aware and then my labours will not have been in vain. I also do comedy where sometimes I don't mention Doctor Who at all, but people still seem to like it, you know. I'm not just—I'm not all just Tardises and Daleks and Pat Gormans. Um, so, if you want a bit of that, you can go to Excess Malarkey Comedy Club in Manchester every Tuesday at eight PM. Uh, Excess Malarkey—search for it online, and you'll find the website with details of upcoming shows. Or you could go to twitch.tv forward slash because Manchester is at a specific geographical location. But Excess Malarkey is not, because we do a monthly online show, 8pm on twitch.tv forward slash uh, which is absolutely free, although we do ask for donations for those of you that can. And you get me and at least three comics from the international circuit doing our stuff in a very good-natured show. Uh, And it might expose you to some comedians you've not seen before or it will give you access to some internationally renowned comedians who don't normally do such cheap or free gigs because people like doing ours because it's a nice place to be. It is a happy time and place and it's available to you from the comfort of your own home. thing I haven't mentioned during these commentaries is that I remember somebody wrote to Doctor Who magazine complaining about the edited nature of repeats, and I think they were specifically referring to this because I remember them referring to it as Genesis as Genesis as of the Daleks, which I thought was great. Saying, you know, are we going to have to put up with all sorts of edited stories? And they did do a list, which are all quite funny, but the only one I remember is the Scissorites, and even then, the idea of reading a sort of jokey version of the Censorites, and the idea that that might be repeated even in Edited form, even though actually the whole letter was only a joke, was a sort of exciting way of touching the past. So uh, those are the days when a pretend edited, substandard version of the censorites being mooted in, ju- ju- in a joke letter was uh, oh, it was just really exciting. We, we really were trying desperately to get back to the past, weren't we? Was it ever thus? But top marks to whoever it was who corresponded with Doctor Who magazine and uh, coined the title Genesis of the Daleks. I like it. It was a while ago now, so they might be a 100 years old.